people are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 423. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We have lots to get to today, as always. Laura, uh, we were a little worried about you. You were panicking in our Facebook group prior to the show. (laughs) You were basically crying for help. What happened? Yeah, I mean, you can't blame me. So I was sitting here working. All of a sudden, it just goes black outside. I mean, it was a sunny, beautiful day up until about 4.30, And then all of a sudden, it's black. It looks like it's the middle of the night. I get a NOAA alert on my phone that we're under a tornado watch. And they're like, yeah, there's going to be 60 mile per hour winds and golf ball sized hail. And I was like, oh, fuck. First thought I had was I don't have covered parking. (laughs) My car is going to get so fucked. Thankfully, it ended up being okay, though. It was just really loud and lots of lightning striking really close by. I lost power for a little while, but I'm here. I made it. And how's your doggy? I was worried about Canella. She was so scared because the thunder was so loud and booming that my entire unit was shaking. Yeah. When it would like thunder and lightning. And she was sitting here wrapped up in a blanket, like glued to me, shaking. Aw. I know. She's okay now, though. Laura, 4.03 p.m. FML, this is how I die. <laughs> I said to try and be comforting because I'm a good friend. You're going to be okay, girl. 15 minutes later, Laura, man, Mother Nature can suck my dick. <laughs> you remind of me of when I'm on a plane and I, I'm scared for whatever reason, and I start texting somebody a lot to try and stay in touch with somebody. <laughs> yeah, so here's my thought process. I've ridden out tornadoes before, but I've always done it in like a house house, like with a basement. I live in a condo, right? Uh, yeah. So if a tornado comes through here, I'm kind of fucked. But you are on the ground level, right? I am. But so your shitty upstairs neighbor has a higher chance of dying, which is actually cool. <sighs> That's comforting. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't wish death on anyone, <laughs> mostly. Well, you know who did die this week? Wow. Mr. <laughs> Mr. No, it's not going to be a dark joke. It's just okay. going to be a joke. Mr. Net Neutrality. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> At see? first, I was like, Andrew. It's like, wow, we're going into that already? Come on. <laughs> Andrew never gets that dark so early in the show. Usually he waits till after shooting the shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Net Neutrality is officially over. Uh, we are back to having this internet where ISPs can decide what they send us through their pipes and how fast now we're just basically playing the waiting game we're gonna see if isps like comcast verizon at&t t-mobile will begin charging us to use certain services that that's something that's possible now they can slow down services in favor of ones of ones they benefit from for example maybe they want to speed up snapchat because in 2020, one of them acquires Snapchat, so they want Snapchat to be fast and Facebook to be slow. Stuff like that. That's what net neutrality was protecting against. We just wanted an open internet, a fair playing field for everybody. The policy's fate was sealed back in December 2017 when Ajit Pai, is that how you pronounce his first name? 
Um, I like to pronounce his name as Fuckboy Extraordinaire, but yes, that's correct. That that sounds kind of how Alexa pronounces it, too. <laughs> the repeal was approved in a 3-2 vote. It was a long party line. So now we'll see what happens. Like I said, net neutrality, net neutrality is actually kind of new. It was the Obama administration who brought it in. And ISPs weren't really taking advantage of us prior to net neutrality first existing. But these ISPs, they get greedier and greedier. We know this. And so they can start fucking with our internet. They can start charging us for certain things or slowing down certain websites in favor of others. Yeah. And I mean, the whole impetus for net neutrality in the first place was that although internet service providers had not begun doing this to an extreme extent, there were some examples of ISPs and other companies discovering, hey, there are certain services that we can throttle in order to push our own version of that service. So like AT&T, when the iPhone was first out, um, throttled FaceTime. So you couldn't use FaceTime when you were on the cellular network, because AT&T wanted to push their own video chatting service. So Mm. there have been some examples of this prior to net neutrality. Uh, And I think everybody's concern is that ISPs were so vehemently against this, that it makes everyone wonder what they have up their sleeve. Like, they're basically sitting here telling us like, hey, we're a dingo. You can give us the baby. We're not going to hurt the baby, you know? So it's just one of those things where you're like, why would I want to leave the cat with the canary? Yeah. You can trust your ISP that you probably hate a lot because you get unreliable service. You can trust them. No problem. And, you know, this is not even the same, but like kind of similar. I was on an old data plan for AT&T and when they wanted to get rid of that, they just started slowing down. Like the unlimited data was only like a certain amount. They started slowing it down after. It really sucks, you know? Mm. until we moved on to their new data plan, which is what they wanted us to do for years and years and years until we finally like gave in because you don't really realize like how much data you use when you're on an unlimited plan until they start slowing it down. And that warning was coming in like quicker and quicker and quicker. Like the closer we got to the point where we just had to like move. So I can't imagine that being the case with like, you know, the actual internet, it would suck. Yeah. And I mean, just think about, you know, what if your service provider is, I don't know, Cox, they're, they're one, right? (laughs) I feel like they're, they're the ones that like all of our grandparents use who live in Florida. Um, Let's say that Breitbart or Fox News gives them a ton of money to increase access to their content and slow down access to other news providers content. That's an example of something that people feel very uncomfortable about because, again, ISPs have already shown us in the past that they are willing to throttle certain services in favor of the ones that make them money. Yeah. But what's actually kind of funny about that is um, Fox News is not owned by a cable company, whereas MSNBC, left-leaning, is owned by Comcast and um, CNN is owned by Time Warner. 
And so it could actually be the left-leaning sites that get advantage before a Fox News eventually does, which is kind of hilarious because Fox News is right-leaning and the conservatives are the ones who voted to repeal net neutrality. So it could shoot Fox News in the foot, which is kind of funny. I know. And it's just, I mean, I want to be clear. I think everyone knows at this point that this show has a definite bias. I don't think that we make any bones about that. But I don't want to be limited in terms of what kind of sites I can access. In order for me to research appropriately for this show, I have to be able to access everything. Yeah, yeah. In order for me to have an orgasm, I need to review all of the porn sites (laughs) before I decide which to stick with that evening. If you do want to um, be under net neutrality jurisdiction, you could move to Washington. They added their own net neutrality law. Um, It's already been signed. Other states are trying, including California, New York, and Illinois, but um, those have not passed. So, have not passed yet. So this actually could turn into a state issue. And uh, if enough states put net neutrality in effect, maybe the ISPs won't try at all. So Which would also be fucking hilarious because then it's going to put the whole conservative argument for states' rights to the test. Mm. I find that that people on this end of the spectrum, and not not all of them, but like people who are on the really extreme side of it, they're all for states' rights until it's something they don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we'll see. All right. Um, anybody watch the Tonys last night? I didn't, but I saw a clip from it that warmed my heart a lot. Was and- it this clip? I'm going to say one thing. Fuck Trump. It's no longer down with Trump. It's fuck Trump. (laughs) So De Niro was coming out to introduce Bruce Springsteen, and he uh, clearly went off script. Uh, This was censored in America, but it did air without censorship in Australia. Pretty funny. I don't know if it really had a place there, but (laughs) what do you think got De Niro so upset on this weekend? Well, this came right on the heels of the G7 summit, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the show. Mm. Um, and that pissed me off. So yeah, I can understand. I also know that um, members of the Stoneman Douglas High School Drama Club uh, showed up to sing Seasons of Love. So I can also see that being a reaction in terms of his anger to these children having to come and be representatives of their school that just underwent a horrific domestic terrorist attack to which our president and our government are not adequately responding. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Speaking of Trump, uh, we're recording Monday night, and the big Trump-Kim Jong-un meeting is going to take place in about... An hour from now, I don't know about YouTube, but I'm going to be tuned into CNN all night long, pulling an all-nighter to watch this historic meeting. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting one because based on everything I've read, it still doesn't sound like our two countries have arrived at an agreement of what we both think denuclearization means. Um, Yeah. As recently as... Yesterday, 
the Trump administration was talking about actual denuclearization in terms of like removing weapons completely. And then North Korea was talking about the U.S. removing all of its arms from the Korean Peninsula. So I don't know if they've managed to like parse what they're talking about and, and come up with one unified definition of what they think that means, but we'll see. And if any updates come as we record the show, we will bring them to you live. Oh yeah. And here, here's an update right now. Uh, Donald Trump does not like IHOP's new name. Wait, really? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Cause I don't, I couldn't even tell if you were kidding. Um, I don't like IHOP's new name. Me neither. I so they were doing it. It was a very smart marketing campaign. They revealed they're changing their name to from IHOP International House of Pancakes to IHOB, and they asked the internet to uh, guess what the B was going to stand for. Uh, I know the three of us were joking in our group chat. I said International House of Boys for Pride Month. That would have been fun. Yeah, I said International House of Boobies. Also good for Pride Month. <laughs> and I was boring and said International House of Breakfast, because who in their right minds would have thought they would rebrand to a burger joint? Yeah, so, but here's the thing. They're not actually changing to IHOB <laughs> permanently. Like, there's no way. And some people are so upset over this, like, they actually are going to change their name permanently. This is just a marketing stunt that is going to last a few weeks. They're not going to get up on ladders and change all their signs. They're just promoting that they have new burgers, and apparently they're so good they had to change their name. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, because America is really lacking in burger joints. Right. Yeah. Clearly, they have discovered a market that they can corner here. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Burger King went and uh, released a new logo. They're now calling themselves Pancake King. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the perfect response. That's great. Burger King is so sassy. I know. So is, so Wendy's. is Wendy's. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, their Twitter is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chick-fil-A had made a tweet about enjoying a spike. They said, what's better than enjoying a spicy chicken sandwich on a Friday? And then Wendy said, enjoying it on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm seeing Burger King's cover art. It's also changed a photo of pancakes. Uh, just brilliant, just brilliant. So, um, yeah, I mean, I do, like I don't really care. I don't eat at IHOP, but I do love a good breakfast. Mm-hmm. Going out, yeah. e- eating at like a classic diner. Favorite breakfast restaurant? Go. In terms of just like regular run of the mill bre- breakfast that I can find anywhere, Waffle House. But in terms of like local things that I really like, the Flying Biscuit. Hmm. I feel like I'm, am I missing out on Waffle House? That's like definitely not a West Coast thing. It's like just a Southern thing, right? I haven't been either. It's like Wawa. It's not. Oh, shit. I thought Waffle House was everywhere. I think the only thing that's everywhere is like Denny's. Mm. Yeah. They're okay. Mm -hmm. See, you can't get scattered and smothered at Denny's though. Mm, That's true. Oh, man. I'll just leave that out there and y'all can look up the reference if you're not familiar. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know it, but the way you laughed made me laugh. 
Uh, yeah, I just love a good classic diner. Or I fucking, I live for bagels. So if you ever get me a good bagel at a breakfast shop, mm-mm. I'll, I'll, I'll sim with that bagel. Um, all right, so let's move on to a little bit of news now. And we're actually going to start off by calling one of our listeners. Um, so there was a big election up in Canada uh, in the province of Ontario. They have elected Doug Ford, brother of the late Canadian crackhead Rob Ford, as their next <laughs> premier. This shocked everybody up in Canada because he's kind of a Trump character. Uh, the Guardian has described him as a businessman turned anti-establishment politician, a son of a wealthy entrepreneur who rails against elites and often shuns expertise. Sounds like a Trump, right? And hello, Kate. Hello. How are you? Hi, Kate. I'm good. How are you? It's great to talk to you guys. Good to talk to you as well. Thanks for joining us. You're up in Canada. You were lit in the millennial group uh, after Friday's election. Can you give us an overview of who Doug Jones is and and why this was so shocking to everybody and how you're feeling about it? Yeah, well, Ford. You said Doug Jones. Oh, Doug sorry. Ford. And Ford. That's important. Ford. That's important because he's the brother of the infant Rob Ford, who some of you might remember was Toronto's mayor a few years back. He's actually since passed. Um, he had cancer. But um, he's the one who was sort of causing all the problems in Toronto. He was sort of a Chris Farley-esque guy who was... Um, dealing drugs and on drugs and just really crazy in, in the news. But um, this was his brother, Doug, who, uh, so to give you a little bit of background, <laughs> I know when we had our last federal election, you guys, I think, touched a little bit upon how our politics work here. We have um, more of a multi-party system, I guess, than you guys do in terms of um, instead of just having two major parties, we sort of have three major parties, and then there's the Green Party, which is a fourth party that kind of has a bit of an existence, but isn't really that strong. Um, so we have the Liberal Party, which is pretty self-explanatory, and they have been in power in Ontario for um, I think 15 years. Like, they have a very long reign here. And then uh, the Progressive Conservative Party, which is our conservative party more like a republican and that's the party that doug ford was running for and he actually only became leader of the conservatives back in march um the previous leader actually had to resign because there were like sexual misconduct allegations against him Mm. so really nice (laughs) yeah great right so then doug ford came on board he was a a city councillor uh in toronto after rob ford past there's this whole like it's a very scandalous situation um so when he came on in march um he was sort of the like new dynamo leader of the party he made all these crazy promises with like very little uh platform to back it up so one of the biggest criticisms leading up to the election was that uh he was making all these promises and he refused to spell a costed budget of how he planned to pay for everything he was promising um so that apparently wasn't enough to to sway anybody away from him, though, um, because the Liberal Party, who had been in, who had been in before him, have really screwed up a few things. And their leader that they had, um, whose name was Kathleen Wynne, she was um, she became a very unlikable figure. So a lot of people here were ready for change, but it it one of these situations where we have this third party called the NDP, who are the um, I'd say they're our really far left party, 
they're further left than our liberal party in terms of uh, what they they're really big on, like uh, healthcare being accessible for everybody. And um, part of their platform was they really wanted to put an emphasis on uh, mental health outreach and making prescription drugs affordable for people. Um, they wanted to find out a way to do like free dental for most people, especially low-income families, and like uh, lowering student debt, stuff like that. So they sort of had, with the liberals looking bad, the NDP sort of had this resurgence where it was like, okay, we don't want the conservatives, so let's all vote NDP. But it was sort of, it was sort of one of these situations where everybody kind of knew how it was going to go, but we were all really hoping it wouldn't <laughs> because Ford was such a disaster. But um, in the end, they ended up winning um, a majority government, which in our in our um, parliament, because there's more than one party on the floor, it's like the majority only has to have, um, they won with 40% of the popular vote, but they have a majority. And then the party with the next most seats um, is the official opposition. And then the Liberal Party actually won so few in this election that they lost their official party status. So they oh are... Yeah, it's pretty bad. They went from they were the majority uh, leading party that was in charge, and now they only have seven seats, and they needed eight to maintain official party status. So they're one shy of that. So they're going to have to basically rebuild from the ground up for the next election. That's embarrassing. It's pretty bad. And and why it's, is yeah, that? Did did uh, did people get too comfortable? Well, I think one of the biggest issues for most people is they took. Our um, our hydro hydro one is our big sort of hydro company here that provides electricity for everyone, and they took that company and they kind of dismantled it and they made it uh, public for trading. So they started selling off shares to it and it became privatized. And then our hydro rates started going up, mm-hmm. and especially in rural areas where there's a delivery charge, which I live in a rural area, so I know this very well. There's a delivery charge when you're rural because the electricity has to go further out to get to you. So those rates started skyrocketing. And there were some people, um, especially in like Northern Ontario, where like the bulk of the population of Ontario is in Southern Ontario. And then, but it's a very large province. And then there's areas of Northern Ontario that are very sparsely populated, but there's still people up there and they still need electricity. Um, So those areas were getting like gouged and there were people complaining, like, I can't pay my rent. And I can't feed my family because my electricity bill is so high. So that was one of those things where they, they totally owned up to it. <laughs> and they were sort of like, yeah, we really screwed up by doing this. We're sorry. We're going to try and fix this for the, you know, that was part of their platform for this election. But it was sort of a too little, too late situation. Nobody really wants to deal with it coming from them because they just didn't trust her anymore, the leader. Yeah. So, um so, yeah, the whole thing kind of fell apart on them. Hmm. But um, the good thing is that uh, the NDP, which is the other party, which has some very, very good ideas and some hopefully some some <laughs> a chance at fighting the conservatives on some issues. They're now the official opposition in uh, Parliament, so they can hopefully push back on some stuff because some of the things that Doug Ford is proposing are really scary. Yeah. Um, and you had mentioned that Doug Ford was proposing things and, and wouldn't explain how to pay for them. And that didn't sway people. That's interesting yeah. because that sounds very Trump-like as well. Like um, this, this phrase gets thrown around, post-truth world, 
we operate in this world now in America and evidently Canada where like people can just say things without backing them up and people just accept them. Yeah, and that's one of the scariest things about this so that I sort of, maybe it's just like the circles I run in, but like on Facebook and other social media, I was just seeing people hating on Ford and being like, this can't happen. And yet here we are. So there's obviously people out there who voted for him. And, and the turnout for the selection was actually quite high. I think it was like 57 or 58 percent mm. of eligible voters wow. came out and, and voted. So it's that's like I think that's the highest it's been in probably 20 years, like very, very high. So people were really, really anxious for change. But some of the stuff this guy was promising, like he... Um, He's he's very so a mini Trump. Like when people say he's a mini Trump, it's like it's, it's like he's this little clone of Trump. Everything he's spouting, like he's sort of um, he's he's has he hasn't at least taken a very strong anti-immigration stance, but he's very pro. Like we take care of our own, our own comes first, like that type of speech, which is very disturbing. Um, and he also is against things like. Um, uh, access to, we have a lot of stuff going on right now about access to safe injection sites for dealing with addiction and stuff like that. He's completely against that. He wants to scrap funding for it. What? He wants to roll back stuff. Like we have some very good uh, protection around here regarding abortion. He wants to roll that back. He wants to make it so that minors cannot have abortions without their parents' consent, which of course destroys doctor-patient confidentiality. Mm. Um, he wants to scrap our carbon tax that we have here. He wants to like get into. We have the, we have a a very large stretch of protected land here called the Green Belt, and he at one point during the campaign said that he wants to um, take protection away from it, start building on it to solve like the housing crisis because Toronto prices in Toronto are insane. I've heard it compared to Chicago, so maybe you can be familiar with that <laughs> in terms of what things cost there. But it's. Um, the, the housing prices are really high. So his solution to that was let's take this protected land and let's start building houses on it. And that one, yeah. there was a lot of backlash. So he yeah. kind of backed away from that a bit. But some of this other stuff he is, he's kind of gone, gone all in on. And one of the ones I'm really concerned about personally is we in the last, I think it was two years ago, Ontario rolled out a new sex ed curriculum uh, for public school. And it was ex- extremely like sex positive, really progressive in terms of what they teach. There was a heavy emphasis on teaching kids about consent, um, teaching them, you know, not sort of a like abstinence is best policy, but like, this is how you take care of yourself. This is like, these are all healthy things. There's different kinds of sex. It was very inclusive that way. Um, and it also had like, like units to be taught about mental health and making sure you're taking care of yourself and like, when it came out, it was very divisive because anyone who was liberal was like, this is fantastic. This is what we need. So our children will grow up not being ashamed of their bodies. And then the other side was sort of like, this is horrible. Like, this is not what we can church, et cetera, et cetera. So he wants to pretty much scrap that, go back to the plan that we had previously States Act in the nineties and is very you know outdated and, um, in lacking in a lot of information. Yeah. And his proposal is that he'll go out and consult with parents 
and find out what they really want for their kids. And it's like, okay, are you going to be consulting with all parents or just right. certain parents? Because He'll go to I groups of parents who probably agree with his line of thinking. <laughs> exactly. And be like, oh, look what we came up with. We're going to implement this. Yeah. yeah who does yeah, that so sound that's... like? Yeah. Many yeah, exactly. people are saying really we need scary. to throw this out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I have, yeah. Like, I have two young children who are just like, my daughter's in grade one and my son is starting kindergarten in the fall. And I'm just like, I don't want my kids going through the school system with him with his hands. And it was just really disturbing to me. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah right, I well, have to say it's really disturbing looking at what a successful model Donald Trump has set up for other single-minded mm-hmm. pro-isolation individuals to run for office. Yeah. And considering how much Trump hate there is up here, like, it's like, you guys, we're fully aware of what happened. Why have we not learned our lesson? But yeah. apparently we had to learn it the hard way. So we'll see. We've got, I guess, four years of this unless something crazy happens and we can get rid of them sooner. Trump and Doug Ford and I think many citizens in our respective countries are just kind of in like a I don't give a fuck mode. Let's just throw things yeah. at the wall and see what happens for fun. It's like watching a television yeah. show, but this is reality. That's why I hate this yeah, phrase, think- post-truth world. It's like, what do you mean we're in a post-truth world? Like, can I not look up anymore <laughs> and say there are clouds in the sky? Like, if we're not operating in truth at all, what the fuck are we doing? I know. <sighs> it's, it's, it's really crazy. Something needs to change. And, and we're seeing a lot of that here in terms of most people. And I know this was happening with your election down there as well. Most people were voting more about keeping somebody out than getting someone in. And especially with right. the multi-party system here, it was all very strategic. Like, who might win in my riding? Like, I have to make sure I vote for that person right. because, or, or vote that person if they're conservative, vote for them. So we sort of, there's a huge push right now for electoral reform because the way our system is set up with multi-parties, it really would make a lot more sense for us to have some sort of a ranked ballot where we can say, this is my first choice. This is my second choice. I definitely don't want this person. Yeah. And then they could do some, you know, fancy math, figure it out. <laughs> and then people would actually have a say in terms of what they want instead of just, I have to vote so that I can keep this person out. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Kate, so much yeah. for sharing all this with us. We appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So uh, Yeah. I hope you and other Canadians are feeling better, at least, you know, not that it's going to suddenly get better, but mentally, yeah. I hope you're better. Yes. Well, yeah. And then we had Trump dumping on us all weekend. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, it was sort of, we we're all reeling from the election and then that happened and we were like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. One, two punch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll, uh, go heat up some poutine and just relax. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> oh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, I will. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> all right. Have a good night and thank you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for calling. Absolutely. Thanks, Bye. Kate. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, she was super sweet. Yeah, and she just gave a much more comprehensive, eloquent description of Canadian politics than we did. A few years yeah. ago when Trudeau was elected. Yeah. Well, so. it helps that she's Canadian. It so does. That's why I wanted to get... I saw her panic in the, panicking in the Facebook group with many others. I was like, we should have her on. 
Yeah. Oh, they're getting to have their own Trump panic right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Sorry, If you guys, guys want any tips, uh, Millennial did write a book about how to deal with it. You can find it in bookstores now. <laughs> we will call another one of our listeners later today in today's installment of After Dark. But Laura, she uh, segged nicely into our next news story. Yeah, so it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone that President Trump found a way to shit on the G7 over the weekend. Uh, For those who don't know, the G7 is comprised of the seven most developed economies in the world, the UK, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United States. These top economic powers hold summits annually to discuss trade, globalization, and other economic policies in the hope of arriving at economic policies that are mutually beneficial to all of the member countries since they represent 62% of global net wealth. Um, The first thing that President Trump did was tell the other member countries, who are our biggest allies, by the way, that Russia should be allowed back in the alliance. For reference, the Group of Seven used to be called the Group of Eight, or the G8, before Russia was kicked out for annexing Crimea in 2014, because the rest of the member nations at the time weren't cool with Russia invading an independent territory and taking over it for influence and oil, Russia got kicked out. As for what possible benefit Trump could see from convincing our allies to let Russia back in, I think everyone at home pretty much has that puzzle put together. (laughs) On top of this, Trump used the G7 as an opportunity to initiate trade wars with our closest allies, in particular Canada, I'm so sorry, guys, by taxing the hell out of a number of raw materials, most notably steel, presumably because he was upset about Canada's 270% dairy tariffs on dairy items coming from the United States. Um, What Trump fails to mention is that Trudeau had previously expressed a willingness to talk about those tariffs, but instead Trump used a single tariff issue to further isolate us from our biggest trading partners. This is bad for free trade and innovation because other countries will simply continue to develop and leave us out of trade deals. So ultimately, the goal behind further isolating the US on the global stage is to gut current trade law in an effort to protect American workers from the effects of globalization. And while there are definite concerns about how American workers will be impacted by globalization, you can't approach those concerns with like an all or nothing, we won't trade with you policy. Um, as a result of all of these new tariffs, the EU has already vowed to uh, clap back with some tariffs of their own. Um, Trump was also threatening to heavily tax automobiles that come into the United States from Canada, which is really interesting because In Canada, the cars that they produce that they send back to us are actually American cars like Ford, Mm. GM. So he came from he he came from Merkel, too. He wasn't happy with the German cars coming over here. Right, exactly. And so it's just like you're shooting everyone in the foot, like you're fucking everyone, Mm -hmm. not just our allies. Um, So that's main. That's like the the long and the short of what happened this weekend. We did want to try and really try to see if there was any semblance of logic to the decision making here. I I thought long and hard about this, and I just don't see it. Mm. I see it as 
yet another way to dominate the news cycle. Um, Also, Trump, he is a very pro-isolation candidate. He ran on an isolation-based campaign. That's one of the things that largely garnered him support, um, is this idea that the United States can prosper and do better if we shut ourselves off from the world. And whether you like a global market or not, it's going to be there, whether or not we choose to participate in it. Right, right. It's like the the whole concept of globalization, right? If you think of globalization, like a train that's moving, it's not going to care if you're on or off the train. But if you don't get on the train, you're going to get left behind, it's going to be harder and harder to catch up. And it's the same with global political economy. It's like that train is not going to wait for America to be top dog. And the more he does stuff like this, the harder it is for us that's going to be for America to kind of like regain their position in the economic food chain, if that's really what he's after. So I just don't get it. I feel like part of it was Trump just having an extra ego on him with these, with this North Korea meeting coming up. Like he was just in good spirits and he was just in this extra egotistical, don't give a fuck mode. Let's bring Russia back. Why the hell not? Let's, uh, let's, uh, put new tariffs on the canadians why the hell not let's 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 shit over all of our allies it doesn't matter i'm about to create lasting peace with north korea and also you know during his campaign and even prior to his campaign he's been very tough on these trade deals he has always said that our trade deals are very very bad so this is an issue he thinks to get him and Republicans votes in the upcoming elections. Yeah. And I mean, the fucked up part of this is that his problem with our current trade deals is that they are for the most part mutually beneficial. So his idea of a very bad deal is one in which the United States and our allies also do well. America. He He wants us to reap the benefits first. And that's not, Let's not even talk about trade. That's not how trade works, but also that's just not how like functional adults live in a society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. America first, he says. Yeah, well, it's going to be America last in terms of science and technology and innovation because the rest of the world is going to, as Pam said, continue on that globalization train, and they'll leave us behind because they're going to look at us as a volatile and ineffective trading partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Man, can you imagine whoever takes over after Trump? They're going to have to be on the phone for weeks. It's going to be like, look, I know that guy was crazy. We got rid of him. Yeah. I'm really sorry. What can I, I do? now. It's me, Uncle Joe. We're going to make things good again. Oh, my God. Don't toy with me like that, Andrew. (laughs) I know. My mom got to see him over the weekend, and I was very jealous. Aw. On his America First tour? Uh, Whatever his tour is. (laughs) Uh, What else is going on? Well, the good news is if you oppose to any of this crap and you want to start a movement to hopefully incite change in your community or on a national or global scale, uh, there's a new study out from the University of Pennsylvania that has found 
The key to social change is convincing a mere 25% of your group or population to support whatever change you're trying to make. So they reach this number and it's known as the social tipping point. And that's actually not very high if you think about it. I think that a lot of people mm-hmm. think you need maybe like, you know, 51% because that would be over half of the hundred, but that's actually not the case. So it should kind of give you some hope if you're looking to, you know, start a grassroots grassroots movement. So the research, uh, the researchers behind the study began with a series of questions, one of them inspired by the Me Too movement. And that question was, when organizations turn a blind eye to sexual harassment in the workplace, how many people need to take a stand before the behavior is no longer seen as normal? And they kind of like repeated the study with a number of different experiments and found that they always arrived to 25%. So that's kind of cool because it seems a lot more attainable than saying I need to convince over half of the population that I'm trying to reach that they should make a change. Yeah, it was. It's certainly motivating, um, and I, I know this study is accurate because I only convinced 24 percent of our listening audience to litter in movie theaters, and there is no social change, and that was because I didn't hit that 25 mark. Hmm. You were the one percent. <laughs> <laughs> or because our listeners are just, you know, decent members of right. society. <laughs> uh, has has anybody tried to create social change within their own circles here or maybe anybody listening in the chat? I'm I'm trying to think of you know, I'm I, that person who goes to parties and like gets drunk and asks everyone if they're registered to vote. You really? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, what a thrill. I mean, I don't do it in like an obnoxious way, but it's because politics is such a common theme. People who are apolitical are talking about it now. And so anytime I'm in a social gathering where people are talking about it and railing against whatever politician they dislike, I always ask them like, well, are you registered to vote? Did you vote in our most recent primary? Are you going to vote in November? Excuse, excuse me. Are you registered? Are you registered <laughs> to vote? Come on, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Do you have like an uh, app on your phone that you just pull up when people say no, so you can like shove up, it in right your out. face? <laughs> I right mean, out. I so. I do have like the link to the Georgia voter <laughs> portal. Oh my god! Because it's it's really easy. It takes five minutes. It also takes like five minutes. By the way, speaking of voting, to like drop off your ballot at the polling station. FYI, so like no excuses. If you get that shit in the mail, just go drop it off. You'll be in and out super quick. I'm spending yeah. five minutes at a party trying to get laid. I don't have time to go register to vote. Damn, it takes you five minutes to find somebody. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Angel says, I always educate my friends about getting reusable water bottles and straws. Katie s- says, I spend a lot of time trying to get people around me to reduce their use of single use plastic and paper, especially straws and paper towels. By the way, that straws thing, I've really seen a straw push. Yeah. In recent weeks, I didn't even realize this was an issue. And now I'm seeing these restaurants. They're like, we're not going to use straws unless you ask for one. Mm-hmm. Paper straws are really great alternatives, too. Um, if you know, like anybody that owns a smaller business that serves food and you want to try and incite some change there, paper straws are really great. 
Um, I have an aluminum straw that I take with me everywhere, but it, it's hard because it, it gets all dusty on the inside. So you have to like plan ahead. So mm, if anybody knows yeah. of a good reusable straw that stays clean, holla at yeah. me. Angel or Katie, are you two going to parties trying to persuade 25%? Because that's all it's going to take to get the whole party enjoying reusable water bottles and straws. But um, yeah, or I'm just thinking on like a, a personal everyday level, like I'm on the garden committee here in my condo building. And it really doesn't take too much to get everybody to pick a certain flower to use in the courtyard. <laughs> We're planning our landscape right now. And all it takes is one person, which actually is about 25% of the garden committee. It's me and three moms uh, to decide <laughs> on certain really elements. <laughs> I know. I know. Have you convinced them to allow dogs to shit in the courtyard? Uh, where were we talking about? Was this on a hashing it out, I think? I think it might have been. Yeah. Uh, well, we have decided, the garden committee uh, and I have decided that we are going to have a designated dog area in the courtyard for the dogs to oh, do their business. That's fair. Yeah, I think so. I thought that was a good idea, too. Although part of me is like, how about we just get the entire courtyard to uh, to be plants that can take dog piss? Like, is it is that that hard? Anyway, interesting research. Thanks for sharing that, Pam. All right. And we do have a hidden from the headline story this week about the EPA, uh, which no longer believes in science, as we've talked about before. Um, so the EPA no longer gives a damn about existing asbestos. So on Friday, the EPA very quietly announced that it would not count asbestos that already exists in homes and businesses in its annual risk evaluation of toxic chemicals, which means that the risk evaluation that the agency is required to put together will heavily underestimate how dangerous asbestos is, since it only will assess the risks presented by new uses of it in new homes, ignoring the tens of thousands of cases that already exist. Apart from the fact that, you know, this matters on principle, um, it also means that when the EPA is considering the need for new regulations and funding, this is going to impact that. So if the risk evaluation is totally off, the regulations and funding issued to respond to it will be completely off as well. Um, this is happening for a number of really dumb reasons, but we wanted to highlight a passage from uh, Donald Trump's 1997 book, The Art of the Comeback, in which he argued that the association of the chemical with health risks was part of a mob-created conspiracy. He said, I believe that the movement against asbestos was led by the mob because it was mob-related companies that would do the asbestos removal. Great pressure was put on politicians, and as usual, the politicians relented, he said. Then he went on to write that asbestos, once applied, is, quote, totally 100% safe, which is wrong. <laughs> um Really scary fact, more than 15,000 Americans die every single year from exposure to asbestos. Oh, that's yeah. a mob-created conspiracy, huh? Yes, <laughs> mob-created conspiracy. <sighs> um, I, and I mean, this is something that, you know, I, I have not personally come into contact with asbestos, but like I, for undergrad and grad school, I went to schools 
that were very old. My undergraduate institution was originally a bunch of Civil War hospitals back in the 1860s. And then um, my graduate school had been there for quite a while as long. And in both cases, when I went there, um, they found asbestos. And the portions of campus where they found that had to be completely shut down. And it was really scary thinking that I had been spending all that time in these areas that was that were so close. That happened to my high asbestos. school. Yes. My high school was, uh, it's over 100 years old now, but I my, the four years I was there, um, we, we were in this like one building that where they have all the English classes. It's very much laid out like a college because it's so old. And everybody always knew that it smelled weird when they had to turn the heat all the way up when it was cold, but we never paid it any mind. And it wasn't until the year after I graduated, they were like, we got to close this down because surprise, there's asbestos and we need to gut it. Yeah, It's yeah, crazy. I mean, yeah. And the thing about asbestos, at least as far as I understand, is that it, it's not necessarily risky when it's contained, right? So like the case where they had it in your high school, where they had it at my university, as long as it was like contained and it wasn't somewhere where people were coming into contact with it, that's not when it's dangerous. But when it's dangerous is like when you have some kind of property damage that produces a leak and all of a sudden you have an asbestos leak mm-hmm. and that's, things like that. That's actually kind of what ended up happening. It, um, they found it because they were looking for mold because one of the classrooms flooded and then they were like, oh shit, we got to we gotta get that out because now it's contaminated and it's not good. But yeah, it's just one of those things that you don't really think about. You're right. Yeah. And I mean, this, this is just horrifying because when you think about the fact, I mean, this country is in terms of, you know, when you compare us to our European friends, we're a pretty young country, but we still have so many old structures here that were built with some questionable materials back in the day. And unless you're going to provide the funding to gut those things, these problems are only going to continue to worsen. So if this is the administration's idea of cutting wasteful spending, uh, I don't know what to say about that. All there is to say is that they really don't care about science. I mean, there is also news that they are changing how they test a bunch of different chemicals, not just asbestos. Um, they're going to be focusing on possible harm co- caused by direct contact with a chemical in the workplace or elsewhere. But that approach means that the improper disposal of chemicals will often not be a factor in deciding whether to restrict or ban them. Yeah. For example, contaminating ab- water. <laughs> yeah. And Flint. what scares me about this is like the potential health care implications. Like if you have the EPA siding with Trump and saying that asbestos is 100% safe, then what about people who are suffering from asbestos poisoning? Mm -hmm. Can insurance companies now say, well, actually, the EPA says that this isn't bad for you? We don't have to probably say that's a pre existing condition. So we are not going to insure you. Yes, you were born with asbestos. (laughs) That's right. You've been breathing that shit since you were born. (sighs) Gaga does mention that in Born This Way. (laughs) No matter gay, straight, or breathing asbestos, you were born this way. (laughs) Well, to play around with this a little bit, I wanted to have us do a round of Devil's Advocate. So I'm going to ask you guys to argue for or against asbestos. Remember that you have to argue the way that is the opposite that you feel. Um, 
So certainly, both of you think that asbestos is great. So you'll be arguing against it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Well, we're going to mimic Trump, right? Who seems to be cool with it. So exactly. Um, So I I presume that both of you will be mocking Trump and his pro asbestos views. Andrew, would you like to go first? Sure. I'm going to set one minute on the timer for you. How's that sound? Okay, absolutely. All right. Um, I can't really do a good Trump voice and definitely not for a minute. So I'm just going to talk in my normal voice. You can Uh, pretend to be an advisor. Okay, I'll be Kellyanne Conway. There you go. Who actually sounds just like me. So it works out nicely. (laughs) Thank you, Jake. Um, So the president has always been a legendary builder and he knows buildings inside and out. And the fact is, as somebody who grew up around buildings, building buildings, building the buildings buildings (laughs) he has never breathed in asbestos he's been tested by legendary doctors and because of his experience in so many buildings including his great casinos in atlantic city please check them out the next time you're in the new jersey area um you know he he's survived he's been fine and the mob just wants you to believe that asbestos is actually in these buildings it's not there They're going and breathing it in themselves so they can go into the hospital and have a free place to stay for a few nights. We don't want to keep giving out free homes to people. We believe that asbestos is fake news and people are just using it for a handout. That was perfect. Great timing. Thank you. Kellyanne, you're just, you're a legend. The buildings, buildings, buildings. (laughs) The buildings were building the buildings was... That's definitely something Kellyanne would accidentally say on a Sunday morning news program. Yeah, I can see it. You know, especially she had a rough night Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> rough night. I mean, the woman looks hungover as hell most of the time. Do you think mm. when she's at parties, she checks in with people to see if they vote, if they're registered to vote? I doubt it because they really don't want the eligible voting population to increase because if that happens it makes it harder for them to win elections Mm -hmm. all right pam are you ready yes all right start whenever you feel ready all right well just like the idea of asbestos was a mob created conspiracy using it not using it in buildings it's also you know, going to basically double dip into your money because not only are you going to have to pay the mob to come in and take out the asbestos that's not doing you any harm, you're going to have to pay for materials that are even more expensive to rebuild those walls that, you know, you've had to tear down because of the so-called asbestos poisoning. Asbestos is great. It's cheap. It's used to fireproof and to insulate Don't you want to live in safer buildings? Nobody knows safer buildings more than Donald Trump. And if Donald (laughs) Trump tells you that asbestos is 100% okay, then we're all going to be just fine. And, you know, we may lose a few Americans in this plight, but we're overpopulated anyway. So what's a few 15,000 lives? It's fine. It's fine. It's going to be better for everybody. You're going to save money. And we're all going to live much happier. (laughs) That was very Very good. Very nice. Thank you. You know, I, was I, th- I think if you're looking for a backup job, Pam, could always uh, go over to Team Trump. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
Pellyanne Conway. Pamela Ann Conway. Save me. <laughs> she's she's gone she's gone silent. She's we can't let Pam quit the show. <laughs> I know. You know what though, Laura? If somebody does breathe in asbestos, they're probably gonna need some good health insurance. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Andrew, because it's time for a quick word from one of our sponsors, Policy Genius. We've mentioned them on the show before, and they are the go-to place for anyone searching for insurance policies of all types. If you have a car, you have car insurance, right? Well, then if you have a pulse, you should also have life insurance. Four out of 10 people don't have life insurance at all, and it's not their fault. Shopping for life insurance is confusing and takes forever, and Policy Genius makes it easy. It's the best way to compare life insurance online. In just five minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. And they don't just make life insurance easy. They also compare disability insurance, renter's insurance, and health insurance. If you care about it, they can cover it. So if you've been putting off getting life insurance, don't put it off any longer. It's never been easier to buy, and rates are at a 20-year low. Check it out over at PolicyGenius.com. It's the easy way to compare and buy life insurance before you pay another bill out of pocket. Go to PolicyGenius.com and compare rates today. Okay. For the rest of the show here, we're going to read and react to some submissions from our listeners. We're going to start off with a couple of AP Choice submissions from our $10 patrons over at patreon.com slash millennial. This first one's from Jared, just a response to something we brought up. He said, hey guys, so in North Carolina, in response to the previous discussion about drug testing, yes, you are observed by a probation officer when tested. It's actually a misdemeanor offense to falsify a drug screen with fake or another person's urine. Doing it a second time is a felony. So uh, I'm not moving to North Carolina because I could never pee in front of somebody. Yeah, I mean, now I know that next time I need to fake a drug test in North Carolina, I can't microwave the urine. (laughs) That's what you're telling me, Jared. I have to find another way to heat it up. Yeah, maybe a nice little fire, open fire, (laughs) a bonfire. (laughs) This next one's from Sean. He says, does anyone have any advice on or experience with trying to spend less time with certain people? I really enjoy some of the people I work with, and I consider them my friends. We're even planning a weekend beach getaway at the end of June. But lately, I've been feeling like some of them just want to be doing something constantly, and I don't always have the social energy for that. I'm very introverted, and sometimes just being at work for eight hours is very draining, so I enjoy my time alone at home with just my dog to recharge, but I don't know how to explain to my friends that it's been a bit much for me lately. I mean, what's a polite way to say to someone, I like you, but I think I've been seeing too much of you? Any advice? Thanks. It's a great question for all us introverts out there. (laughs) Yeah, I think that introversion is not something to be ashamed of. Um, because we live in a world that is catered to extroverts. Everything about the world encourages you to be an extrovert. Mm. Um, and I think it's okay. I mean, if these people are really your friends, it's okay to explain to them like, Hey, I love being around you, but social interaction drains my energy rather than giving me energy. So Mm. sometimes I might just want to hang out at home by myself. And it's not because, 
I have a problem with you or that I don't want to hang out with you. I just want to be able to recharge so that when I do hang out with you, I'm like fully present. I just hope that people wouldn't suddenly be like, okay, maybe we should just stop inviting him to things at all because are we making him uncomfortable all the time? When do we know when we should invite him out to things? You know, it's like, how do they start deciding? That's a good point. I mean, I think if they're close enough friends, they wouldn't look at it that way. Mm. Maybe yeah, I don't just have like close friends, so I can't. I would just say like opt out like every other time or something, and see if that helps you out. Just be like, oh, like I I already have plans, or you know, yeah, I have like a friend coming into town, and I can't, or like my mom's coming to visit, you know, or I'm gonna go visit my right. mom. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was going to say. I think you're going to have to lie a little bit. Yeah, but it's not like a lie that hurts anybody, you know? So I wouldn't feel yeah. bad if you if you have to go that route because I'm like the worst at confrontation too. I, I'll just like be miserable mm. <laughs> hanging out with whoever I don't want to see because I'm too polite to say no. But yeah. yeah, I would just say like a little white lie in this case is not going to hurt you if you're not comfortable in, in sharing the truth, like Laura said. <clears throat> It might also be easier on you if you're just spending less time each of these times. And you mentioned your dog. I use my dog as an excuse all the time to, to leave stuff earlier than I want to be Yeah. There. <laughs> it's like, I can't sleep over. I might got my dog. It's all by himself, Yeah. You know? Or like, I really right. got to get home by five so I can feed my dog. Yeah. Usually for me, it's like being out at a birthday party or at a bar on a weekend night. And... I'm, you know, it's like 10 o'clock, <laughs> just late enough for me to be out unless I'm really enjoying it. And I'll just be like, hey, I got to, I got to get home. I got to walk Brooklyn. Sorry. And people, of yeah. course, understand that. And also if it's a thing where you're, where you're just like, um, I, I just don't want to be going out and getting wasted every weekend, which like, I know that the older I get, the harder it is for me to keep up with friends that still want to be out at bars, like driving yourself there limits oh, how yeah. much you can consume and people are not going to like force you to consume more if you're the one that has to drive yourself home so um trying not yeah. to carpool as much and like taking yourself to wherever you're going also is going to help you like limit how long you have to stay there yeah you i'm could just also- not shy about identifying as an introvert <laughs> like i've gotten to the point where i i am i make fun of it like i make jokes about it anytime somebody's like hey do you want to do this thing and i'll be like well i do have to go home and take care of my dog, but I also have a date with a pair of pajama bottoms and Netflix <laughs> because I'm uncomfortable and I want to go home. And that devil on my shoulder named introversion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I have been slowly coming out, so to speak, with my introvertedness. Uh, I, I talk about it here all the time. Of course, why not? But around other people... More and more, I do find myself admitting that I am introverted. In fact, I had a couple people over this weekend, and I said, you know, I am an introvert. I can't remember the context around it, but I was forthcoming about that. It's like how being a nerd used to not be cool. And now, like, you're uncool if you don't have an iPhone. Yeah. Now everyone's an extroverted introvert. That's the new thing. Mm-hmm. Or we know these things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, people people just didn't describe it as such, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it's like Also, I always think about the money angle, too. It's like the longer I stay out, the more money I'm spending. Or if That's I do it. go out, this is going to be a $50 night or a $100 night. 
In LA, mm-hmm. it felt like every night I would be going out would be a $100 night. It's really all the expensive. Bars and dinner. Yeah, yeah. That would frequently be my excuse. Good luck, Sean. I actually have a great way to keep people at home. They're our next sponsor this week. They are Beach Body On Demand. If you're looking to look sexy this summer or just get in the best shape of your life, you should look no further than Beach Body On Demand. Folks, it is so important to keep yourself healthy. We all know this. And but in this day and age, we're spending way too much time being stagnant, sitting on the couch binging Netflix, playing video games, reading, or just laying on the floor telling yourself that life is so hard. You need to get moving again. But I know what you're thinking, Andrew, I'm busy, fuck you. I don't have time to go to the gym. This is where Beachbody on demand comes in. They're an easy to use streaming service that gives you instant access to a ton of super effective workouts you can do from the comfort of your living room 24-7. This is the company behind P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, T25, Brazil Butt Lift, Payo, 3-Week Yoga Retreat, and more. They have an amazing array of workouts for all fitness levels, from the bodybuilder to somebody who just wants to get in some yoga. Beachbody On Demand lets you work out where you want, when you want, thanks to their apps, which are compatible with all your smart devices. I personally use it on an Apple TV, but you can use it on a tablet, on your phone, on your computer, whichever device you have in arm's reach. Like I said, taking care of your body is important. I want you to try Beachbody, and I want you to load up UV2. This is a super fun dance program. I can burn at least 200 calories in a half hour in a fun way. The guy who hosts it, Leandro, is such a thrill. He has all these women behind him who are high on life as they all dance for a half hour. It is just a blast. And I absolutely love it because it's it's easy. It's an easy way to get a workout. If you're working all day out of home, at an office, you don't want to come back home and then go back out again. You can do this at home. And you're going to get results from Beachbody. I know this firsthand. My boyfriend has been using it for well over a year. He recently completed 80-Day Obsession, and he's got a tight, bangable body thanks to Beachbody. It is all that he uses to stay in shape, and it works fabulously. Right now, our listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text MIL to 303030. Not only is it easy to work out, it's super easy to get this trial membership. Text MIL to 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and support totally free. I frequently tell everybody right here on this show that we're giving you guys no-brainer deals. This is a no-brainer deal. In fact, it is the best deal in fitness. Try out anything you want on Beachbody for free. Go right now and get a fun workout in for free. Again, just text MIL to 303030. And let me know what you choose. Let me know what programs you're doing. Maybe I'll give them a try too. All right, so um, we have a couple confessionals now. And we're going to call this the relationship edition of the confessional. The first one says, I got married really young two months after my 20th birthday. I'm now 24, and although I love my husband very much and I'm really happy with him, I feel like our relationship has taken over my life. I don't have friends outside of him, I don't really have hobbies, and I don't have a career. I just feel like I've lost myself. 
I don't want to leave him. I just want to feel like a whole person. We also have really different outlooks on life. He's really religious, and I'm just not sure religion is for me. We were both raised in very conservative Christian homes, and I have a lot of residual guilt from my upbringing. I'm just feeling really lost, and I could use some advice. Thanks, y'all. That's that's, <sighs> that's a pickle. Yeah. yeah. It, is he, like, super controlling, too? Like, can you not... Um, like try and do things outside of your friend group, you know, even if it's like a team and training thing. Yeah. Cause it is super important to be able to go and do your own thing. Like hopefully he's not controlling you in that way, but just for your, for your own good, it is healthy to be away from your partner for a while. And then you get to get back together and, and it's fun to see somebody after not seeing them for a while. So I think maybe to spice up your relationship slash your own life, go out and and create a life for yourself. I think a good way to start is with the social circle. Yeah, and there are so many ways that you can develop that social circle, like through like a group meet or volunteer work. There are lots of things that you can do that don't necessarily require you to go out and get a career. Cause mm-hmm. I know that's one of the things that you mentioned here. Um, as long as your husband is open to that, I think that this is probably just a result of people getting married young and building up a really strong support system that causes them to become a little insular. I know that that's not uncommon for people who get married young, So as long as you talk to him and let him know like, hey, I want to do this for me so that I can have something that's mine. And then if you meet some friends that you really like, there's no reason not to introduce him, like invite him out with you guys. That way you two are experiencing other people socially. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's always refreshing to me to hang out with new people, people I don't regularly Mm -hmm. see even afterwards i'm like ah that felt good for example me and my boyfriend we had a couple of gays over this weekend afterwards ah that was nice new people new conversation new experiences we had a foursome it was exciting happy pride congrats just kidding just kidding uh but it also kind of sounds like that this person might just be feeling that she peaked young if you get married at 20, it's like, what's the next life step? Not to say that marriage is, you know, the crowning achievement, but where do you go from there? Because an important aspect of life is like having something next, having something going on to look forward to. And if you feel like there's nothing big to work towards, I could see why you would be feeling this way. You could even take, like, if, you know, maybe you don't have a career, but um, if you have a community college nearby, taking a class, like, even if it's just, like, learning a language you might want to pick up, it's a great way to meet people. A lot of people take night classes, so it's a lot easier to make friends in school than it is to make friends once you're out of school, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I liked Laura's point about uh, volunteering somewhere. 
I think I've brought this up before. My now ex, he, uh, when he moved to LA, he started volunteering somewhere and he immediately made fantastic friends who became my friends. Like he was out in LA for like a month and he had more friends than I did (laughs) in like seven years of living there. (laughs) But it was just a very, um, interesting learning experience for me about how you can quickly make very good friends because people who volunteer, they're also very good people. So next confessional, Pam, you want to take this one? Sure. Slyn says, hi, everyone. I'm in a bit of a bind. My long-term boyfriend and I are separating and he's moving out. It's been a long time coming, but I'm honestly pretty upset after all I've done to make things work. He's shown zero interest and landed us in a mountain of debt and destroyed my credit. Now he's leaving in July and I'm going to be left high and dry. We have a toddler together and he's hardly helped at all with him or around the house. So it's not like I'm not used to doing everything myself. The main problem is I've been a stay-at-home mom and taking community college classes so I can transfer to the state university full-time this fall. The major I'm pursuing is very competitive, and I was determined to add a minor as well. But now I won't have any financial support, and my credit is too low for a loan. I have no idea how to find a job that would cover living and childcare and work around a full-time course load. Hopefully my son and I can move in with my parents, but they don't have the funds to fully support us, and I would never want to ask that of them. I've been so stressed, I've honestly considered backing a sugar daddy or something because I'm super scared of trying to juggle work, parenting, and school full-time and being crushed by all three. I know none of you are human parents, so if you have any kind of advice on school work balance, I need it. Damn, that is a tough situation. And I'm does, sorry that you and your boyfriend are wrapping up. Um, does the, um, like, is the school you're looking at, do they have, like, maybe a daycare center? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Or, like, or maybe about, you can work on campus, like, between classes. That wouldn't help yeah. too much, but it might help some. Or an, would, can can you take these classes online, maybe? Because that's a growing trend, right? Maybe not from this particular community college, but maybe there's another college that you could take classes from online. Yeah, I think I'm also thinking about this from the credit perspective. Like, I am wondering what he did to wreck your credit. Is it something like you co-signed on something with him and then he failed to make the payments? Or is it that he was able to obtain your credit in order to run up charges or open credit cards and things like that? Because... Uh, the latter is illegal. Um, so you could definitely potentially go after him for that, or at the very least, start pursuing your options with the credit bureau to try and get those removed from your credit report and get the creditors to close out those accounts or you know, charge off the debt and not uh, assign it to your credit report. Mm-hmm. Also, big yes to the sugar daddying life. Why not? Just go for it. Also, I hope that he's paying child support, at least, to help a little bit. Not that it helps a lot, because a lot of times, you know, um, they don't really, like, the courts don't really mandate that they pay that much. It's actually kind of sad how little people have to pay in order to, you know, be squared away with the court. But sounds like every little bit's going to help in this case. Yeah, we we are in the world of the quote-unquote gig economy, 
Uber, Grubhub, stuff like that. Like you might be able to get a job like that. I don't know if if you have a car, but Ubering can potentially work out very well because a lot of these gig economies, a lot of these gig, these these side hustles, uh, you do them when you have time. You you don't have to show up for certain hours, obviously. Um, I will say too that like at the end of the day, it's really lucky that you're hopefully going to be able to move in with your parents, uh, even though you know they're yeah. not going to financially support you. And like I respect you so much. Um, for not putting that burden on them because I definitely know people that are like, I'm going to move with my mom and make my mom pay for my kids that I had that she didn't have, you know, that, that's so wrong. So I think that that's really great. Right. That you're already like at that point. Um, I think that it's really scary to take on so much at once. And I, I don't have a child. I know that like children demand a lot of attention, but you know, I sometimes look back at the course load I had um, when I was at a state school, you know, I was taking full courses, like a full course load, interning and working two different jobs. And it's kind of like, I don't think you realize like how far you can push yourself when you need to, but just remember to take care of yourself if you can, because it's really easy to just spiral uh, into a place that's not mentally helpful. So I know it gets really tempting to kind of like try and power through everything, but you know, if it takes you a little less time to go to school, that's okay too, you know, to make it through. Yeah. Just go at your own pace and, and make sure you're taking care of yourself and also Absolutely. obviously of your baby, but yeah. I'm curious about this major that she said is very competitive. I wonder what this is, but best of luck to you in pursuing it. And I think we would love to get an update from you in a few months, if you don't mind letting us know how it all worked out. We'd, we'd like to hear your solution and maybe um, others can learn from it. All right. We have a couple of recommendations to wrap up this week's show. But first, our final sponsor is ShipStation. If you've got a classic millennial side hustle that involves shipping, you know that getting your orders out the door quickly and effectively can be tough. And that's why this side hustler highly recommends using ShipStation.com. This is a godsend for those who have online businesses with physical goods involved. It's the fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. Whether you're using your own website, Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, or other 75 other popular selling channels, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. The reasons I love it, first of all, they make them really easy to manage from any device, even from your cell phone. Then you use ShipStation to create shipping labels for all the top carriers, including UPS, FedEx, USPS. And then with ShipStation, you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Time is so important, as we were basically just talking about. And ShipStation will help you streamline your hustle. ShipStation, by the way, in it's available in the US, UK, Australia, and Canada. Right now, try ShipStation for free for 30 days, plus get a special bonus when you use our promo code M-I-L-L. Don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in M-I-L-L. That's ShipStation.com. Enter M-I-L-L. ShipStation, make ship happen. <laughs> Laura, we both have video game-based recommendations. Yes. 
Um, I highly recommend Detroit Become Human. This was a game that was released for PlayStation 4 just a couple of weeks ago. And it's a game in which you are playing from the perspectives of three androids in um, in a world where androids are slowly developing sentient and independent thought. And it's a game that you can have multiple endings depending on the choices that you make throughout the game. It's awesome. The story is fantastic. And it's also a really gorgeous game. Um, I liked this because I like games like Until Dawn, which I talked about on the show previously, and also Life is Strange. So this is very similar to that in concept. Highly recommend. I am addicted. Huh, I played it cool. all weekend. Sounds like Westworld, actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll play this instead of watching Westworld because I really am <laughs> fed up with that show. It's so confusing and slow to me. I can see you freaking out playing this game, Andrew. Oh. Okay. Like in a fun, like, I mean, I freaked out at a couple of points because there are points where it's really tense and you can tell in the moment that whatever decision you're making is going to severely impact the course of your game. Oh, cool. And so you're sitting there like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. What do I do? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Um, I recommend a game coming out tomorrow. So it's kind of weird that I'm already recommending it called Jurassic World Evolution. This lets you build your own Jurassic Park. It's an official Jurassic World franchise game. It's got a lot of the cast actually doing voices for the game. I used to love Roller Coaster Tycoon, the classic from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Roller Coaster Tycoon actually ended up being released for iOS uh about a year and a half ago now i believe and that was just like the best thing that ever happened to me because i just adored this game as a kid and i'm still playing it now thanks to this new version on ios um so i'm looking forward to jurassic world evolution because some not all but some of the reviews have been very very good um saying that this that this is a very impressive park simulator and i just i'm a theme park junkie and i love dinosaurs so Jurassic World Evolution seems right up my alley. Like I said, it's coming out tomorrow. Very excited. Between that and Nintendo's presentation at E3, I'm going to be nerding out tomorrow. And maybe I'll start Detroit Become Human. You definitely should. And then you have to tell me exactly what choices you make because <laughs> like it's really cool cuz as you like as you exit each level basically, it puts up like a map on the screen showing all the possible paths you could have taken. Oh. Oh, it's so fucking cool. So you realize how badly you screwed up or how smart you were. Not necessarily because the choices that you didn't pick are locked. So you can't see what they would have been. Oh, I see. The idea is that you can play the game more than once. So. Oh, okay. Very cool. Coming up in After Dark today, like I said earlier in the show, we are going to surprise bitch one of our listeners, and we are also going to talk about uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, who unfortunately killed themselves over the past week. We're going to talk about mental health and the suicide epidemic. Unfortunately, it has been a trend that has been growing. Uh, So... We will do both of those things in After Dark today. Thanks to everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash millennial. 
You're going to get a couple more landies this weekend, I believe. Laura mm-hmm. and I are going to get together for some video chatting. I guess we'll have to talk about E3. Talk about what happened there. Yeah. With, in- with Nintendo. And I know PlayStation is tonight. Oh, boy. Oh, so yes. much happening. And uh, there's more over at Patreon. You can listen to us record live, live to tape. And uh, you can also get ad-free installments of Millennial. We might call you through our Surprise Bitch segment and lots more. Thanks, everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash millennial. It is, it is how we are doing this show. I was going to say it's why we're doing this show, but that seems a little dramatic. Yeah, I would say how. Your support keeps the show chugging along. <laughs> to close out the show today, um, I'm going to play one of my favorite songs of all time, America Fuck Yeah, from Team America World Police. I was just thinking with Trump meeting Kim Jong-un and there's North Korea jokes in the movie. Seemed appropriate. Unfortunately. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Goodbye. America.